Hi, welcome to another episode of Experiencing Motherhood Single and Black. I am your host, Cam, and I'm so excited that you have decided to tune in and listen. If this is your very first episode, welcome. If you are a part of the community here, welcome back. I appreciate each and every one of you. Last week, we talked about saving on back to school shopping. So if you haven't checked out that episode, go ahead and take time to do so. I was chatting with Aisha and she dropped a lot of great tips and a lot of resources that you can actually use. So if you are still shopping or you haven't started shopping yet and your kid hasn't started back to school, go ahead and check that out. If you have not subscribed, go ahead, pause this and do so so that you never miss an episode and you receive your notifications each and every time. If you have not heard, we are planning a group trip for single moms to the Bahamas next year by the way of a cruise. So if you are interested in that, I will link the information in the show notes and you can check that out. And let's talk about what we're going to be discussing today. So I know that sometimes when we've been out for summer, we have all gotten off of our normal school year routines. And so I thought it would be very helpful if I brought on an educator who can actually talk about how she does her routine as an educator and as a mom. So I brought on Khadija, also known as Grit Mom. She has a YouTube channel and she's always dropping so many helpful tips. So I hope that you guys really enjoy this episode. If you find that it is helpful for you and you learn a thing or two, please don't hesitate. Leave a review. The reviews help other single moms to find the podcast the more reviews we have the more likely people are to actually see that the podcast is out there so thank you in advance also if you have not rated the podcast and you've been listening please take a moment to do that as well without further ado let's get into this episode hi Khadija welcome to experiencing the single and black so excited to have you on today. How are you? So am I. I am great. How are you? I'm doing well also. Thanks so much for asking. I appreciate it. Tell the listeners a little bit about yourself. Well, I am an educator mom. Um, I call myself Brit Mom because I believe in my children being independent. And um, I have been an educator for going on 13 years. I've been a mom for nine years. My son is nine. I have a son and a daughter. My son is nine and my daughter is six. Um, I have a unique situation because for the last two years, they have um, attended the schools that I lead. So I am their um, direct administrator at their school. So I see them every day at home and at school, So, um, <laughs> which is interesting. <laughs> Um, and pretty new, unique, but, um, I've been a single mom for two years. Um, and 
I do have a very um, involved co-parent. Uh, let me say that. So that is awesome. I do get I do get a lot of help. So I can't say, you know, I I don't get any help. I do. He is fifty um, percent involved. Um, we discuss everything in terms of activities and in terms of what the kids' routines that we want to mimic from house to house. But we'll get into that a little later. But um, yeah, so I. Um, it, you know, it was out of a divorce that I became a single parent and um, it's just a relationship that didn't work out. We were young when we got together and we couldn't grow together. So it became this, we were growing in different spaces and we agreed to separate because it was the best healthy thing to do for the children. And I, I don't dislike him. I wish him the best and he wishes me the best. And we have a great productive relationship by putting the kids first. That is so. So, awesome. <laughs> so you say so you that, call yourself. Yeah. Uh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I'm so sorry. No, no, no. Go ahead. Sorry. It's okay. <laughs> so you say you call yourself Grit Mom. So what does Grit actually stand for? For those people who are listening, that may be like, why does she call herself Grit Mom? Um, grit is that tenacity. It's that thing that you keep on building up because you do the same thing over and over trying to get better. Um, so that's necessarily how I define grit. Uh, there are several books that I would encourage people to read about in terms of establishing grit. It's one of the, those, the, those secret key to success that no one really talks about, but it's that thing that pushes us forward. Um, it's, it's what we do when no one's watching and all of a sudden it perfects gifts in us that propels us to success. So, um, we like, okay, let's take me as a teacher, as an educator. I never thought, I never wanted to be an educator. I never, that wasn't my, I went to undergrads to be finance. So, um, as I was looking for a finance job, I needed to make money and I decided to be a teacher and I just never left the classroom after that. But, I never was formally trained before the classroom. I got my formal training while I was in the classroom. But each time I kept getting better each year and I kept on perfecting, I kept on setting goals, I kept on doing things so I knew I was intentionally trying to get better. And that in itself is a grit, right? It's what you do to continually perfect yourself. You set goals and you do the same things, but setting higher expectations for yourself that then enables this grit muscle. Awesome. So that's why that's what I try to do for my kids. But I take it a little, I change it a little bit because you know they're young. They don't do the same things over and over again, except mm-hmm. for routines and the routines and schedules that us parents put in place. Right. But incorporating more real life skills that our kids need, of course, because with the technology age, our kids are losing soft skills. I can't stress that enough as an educator. This iPad is the devil. The devil? I was just about to say that so bad. (laughs) I'm not even going to lie, but you know, I I see, you know, as a parent, it's a love, as a parent and an educator, it's a love hate. Love and hate. As an educator, we can't stand them. (laughs) Right? But as a parent, you're like, oh, thank God. (laughs) Just just give me an hour. I just need an hour of peace. Just play that iPad for an hour of peace. Yeah. So I get it. I get it. So um yeah. So that's what how I define grit for um my children and being a grit mom. I intentionally do things to to insist that they build the muscle of independence. 
Awesome. I like that. And you said you recommend that um, moms take the time to read some books about establishing grit, right? Yes. Okay. Awesome. Do you have um, like a favorite book that you would recommend to them? Oh, uh, what is my favorite person? It's called Grit by Angela Duckworth. She's amazing. Um, and the book is amazing. Um, she also, if you, I'm a firm believer on audiobooks because sometimes I just like to do things while I'm reading and that I get to read and hear about, you know, well, not technically read. Well, I get to read books in audio form while doing other things because, you know, as moms, we multitask. Right. So that okay. is Angela Duckworth. It's called Grit. Okay, cool. I will put that in the show notes so they can look that up. Thank you for that recommendation. No problem. So I wanted to talk to you a little bit about building a routine that works during the school year because as we know, it is back to school time. And during the summer months, we kind of get away from those routines that we have during the school year. So what do you feel are the keys to developing a routine that is effective and one that actually works? Well, you know what? As parents, when we hear things like this, we get really stressed out, right? Yes. (laughs) It becomes becomes another thing that we have to monitor, right? It's like, what else? I already got homework. They got to eat. They got to live. What else do you have to add on my plate? So I just, I would keep it simple, right? What are the things that you do every day? Write, writing down all the things that you do all the time every day that just racks your brain that your kids can't remember to do it on their own. And what, like, they need to eat breakfast before they leave. They need to get dressed before they leave. They need to... Um, make sure their stuff is in their book bag. If they have lunch, they need to pack their lunch. If they have snacks, they need to pack a snack. Um, they need to, um, what else do you need to remind kids of every day? Like if they have something after school activity that you know about, right? And then when they come home doing the homework and preparing for dinner and then getting in the tub and then going to bed. So with that being said, just keep it simple. Those are the things that happen every day, no matter what. Now, what are those things? And my children are nine and six, and I've been doing this for, like I said, years. And as a teacher, I just think like this too. And as parents, we have to train our brains to think like this. What can you write down for your kids to do without you? Mm. Do you really need to tell your child to get dressed every day? Do you really need to tell your child what to eat every day or how to pack their lunch or what part can they own? We have to really establish what part can they own and what part can you own? Because a lot of the times parents, I've seen it with my friends, they get stressed out because their child keeps on coming to ask them for something to drink. Why would you not (laughs) put a system in place so your child is not asking you for something to drink? Like, or for a snack. Like, why is there anything in place that's accessible to them that they don't keep on asking you about these little small things that just frustrate you? And pouring your child something to drink will frustrate you. So, (laughs) especially if they need it every hour. So, okay. So, with that being said, write down everything that you do every day. So, a part of what um, I'm going to also put on my blog that I have is create a menu. I create a menu. And I rotate this menu every other week. So they don't feel like, okay, 
we're eating the same things week after week after week. I create a menu to make it just, I create a breakfast and a dinner menu for the week. And I, and I create two, so I rotate two of them. Now, at the second month, I might just create a whole new two other menus. Mm-hmm. But for that whole month, we're eating biweekly two different types of weekly meals, right? So each day might be different, but I get that on the first and the third week, I'm eating the same meals for those seven days. So what does that do? That frees me up in the supermarket. I know exactly what I'm getting. I know exactly what we're going to eat. They can go to the fridge. Don't have to ask me what's for dinner. You already know that the menu is present and available for my kids. They know exactly what breakfast is and they know exactly what dinner is. Now, the dinner is something I own. Breakfast is something that they own. So if it says cereal, I already know that I've made your fridge needs to be accessible for this too. So I create my milk. Everything is in a milk, juice, anything that they need for breakfast is on their level. Anything that's adult items that I feel like they could get messy are on high shelves or on the up top of the fridge. And that's different from what we're used to, how we grew up, right? Right. We were always on the one side and it was no like rhyme or reason to how the fridge was set up. So we kind of set up our kitchen the same way, right? Mm-hmm. All the cups. Or at the top shelves, the place at the top shelves. No, my bowls that my kids can use are on the bottom. Like they're they're real readily accessible. They're their plate. Everything is their eye and arm view. Anything that I don't want them to touch, I put that up high. But anything that I need them to touch in order for them to get their breakfast done, they own. So back to the routine. So a menu is also effective. Um, all timers are effective not just you because you have a phone give your child a timer i give my child timers they know how to tell time now because i'm like okay you need to be out you need to be up not all alarm to get up you need an alarm to be dressed i need you dressed by this time so there's multiple alarms in their phone so you get up at six i need you dressed by 6 45 when that alarm goes off you know you needed to be dressed so and it teaches them to be conscious of their time and not you yelling, are y'all ready? Are y'all ready? I didn't know to be out the house. You're the only one caring about the time. They need to care about time too in the morning. And that will release some of the stress off of you. What else do they need to have done? Oh, I need them to pack their snack. You should be packing lunch unless it's refrigerated. I let my kids pack their snack at night. So it's one of their to-do lists that they have before they go to bed. So timers are great. Even if you said, I want you to read for 15 minutes, give them a bookmark timer. They're excellent. They're amazing. But a part of all these responsibilities is the third thing is have something written out for them. What do you want them to do? Kids are not mind readers. What do you want them to do? Do you want them to make their bed? Write it down on somewhere. Do you want them to brush their teeth? Write it down somewhere. What do you want them to have done that can take some of these words and these stresses off of you? Write it down. Make it visible in their room that they can check off. Kids love that. You know, students love to check stuff off of their to-do. Yes. So have them check that off. Like I brushed my teeth, I woke up, I made my bed, I got dressed, now I'm going downstairs to eat breakfast. And mom didn't have to tell me to do any of this. What can you take off your plate and give to your kids? Now, this sounds easy, but the first month is going to be hard because they're used to you telling them what to do. So it's going to be a gradual release. It'll be a gradual release from, from 
just you now walking them through it. This is what I want you to do. You see, made your bed. Come on. I need you to check this off. But I'm telling you, once you walk them through it, after the first month, maybe two, you don't ever have to worry about it again. That's the great thing about creating routines for your kids and them getting it. You never have to do it again. They'll remember to do it for themselves, but you're just taking the time, slowing yourself down and teaching them. And it's very frustrating. I'm not even going to lie. Like, I had a, a conversation with a parent who was like, I want her to pour the milk in the cereal properly without the milk going on the floor <laughs> and my table. And I'm like, well, keep on doing it. After a while, they'll get it. They'll get the measurement right. But are you also giving them the whole gallon or the half gallon to pour from? Maybe <laughs> you should do that. Put it in a nice little big cup. Put it in the fridge with a nice top. Put it in the fridge and say, you pour from this because you can't pour from a half a gallon and a gallon right, right away. So that is where you should at least focus. So I know I said a lot. So let me try to summarize. The first thing is to... The menu always works. Take some things out of your head and make it a family responsibility. That's what teachers do. Teachers make the classroom everybody's responsibility. I think moms make their chores like the household responsibility there. And we need to relinquish some of that control. And it doesn't make you powerless. It empowers the family. And that's important. Like your kids should feel empowered in their house, not to feel like they run it, but to feel like you're a part of this, how this is going to work and how this is going to function effectively. So it doesn't stress anybody out. And I think that is huge that and we need to, and that's what I've learned to do as a, as a teacher. Like, why am I trying to be everything in my house? I'm not everything in the classroom. Why am I trying to do that in my house? Because for us, it makes us feel good. Like, I cook dinner, I wash the clothes, I'm so productive. Why? It just stresses you out when you can't get it done. Right. So, it is stressful. Like, if you feel like you didn't, you didn't wash the clothes or you, you let any of your those kind of duties slip, it'll, it'll make you feel like question yourself. Or you just be like, I don't even care. Like, y'all just do what you want. It's one or two things will happen. You either feel like, I'm a complete, I'm, I'm, I'm losing, I'm slipping, I don't know what's going on with me as a mother. You either feel like that, or the thing is like, look, forget it. Everybody's fend for yourself. But at that point, who have you empowered? How have you empowered your children to take on those responsibilities so you don't have to give up? And you don't have to feel stressed. Your kids want to do it. Like, I walked in my kids' class. This is what changed my life. Let me, you know what changed my life? I walked into my son was in Montessori. I walked into my son's Montessori class. Well, mind you, I was getting him dressed. I was doing all of this, making him breakfast. I was fine. I was just doing everything. I was amazing. I was super mom. I walked into his Montessori class. Let me tell you how the teacher just sat there. He pulls out, pulls out his, they get these little mats that they got to roll out. So he pulls out his little mat from the case. This teacher not saying nothing. Pulls out his mat from his case. He rolls it out. He goes to his toy, plays with his toy. I'm sitting there watching him like, okay, when's teacher going to intervene? Right? <laughs> so pulls out his little toy, plays with it, talks to his friends about it and everything they're discussing. She's just walking around, paying attention to their conversation, asking them questions. He then puts the toy away and rolls up his mat, and now he's on to something else. I'm sitting there like, 
Wait a minute. I'm just gonna like, you know, because I gotta act that little boy to put his toys away. <laughs> Who child is this? It's kids who do what you allow. And we know this, but in in every aspect of it, not just in talking back, like uh, we do. Like, I ain't gonna talk back to me, I don't allow that. But you don't allow them to get dressed by themselves. You don't allow them to make breakfast for themselves. You don't allow them to have any responsibility. Even in the laundry, that's your laundry basket. It belongs in the laundry room. I'm not going to get it to do your laundry. I'm not. You have to take some kind of ownership of that part of it. Oh, your soccer uniform? Oh, you don't have it? Did you not pack it? Okay, well, this, that's, that's, what, that's the drawbacks for not packing yourself. Like, they have to own some of that responsibility. But I promise you, once they get it, they get it. And that's what we need the parents to be, feel empowered to do. Especially as a single mom, you don't got time. I, I hear my married friends complaining. So I already know that my single mom, we don't have no time to be with asking a child to pick up after themselves at all. But you make it a normal practice in your house. And a lot of the times, especially during the summer, we kind of lose that because, you know, we're just, it's supposed to be relaxed. But when two weeks before school starts, you start tightening the reins and putting some things in place, but always let the kids know what your expectation is. That's why you write it down. I write it down and make it visible because the kids are very clear what my expectation is. I want you to make your bed, so I wrote it down and I, I wrote it down and put it up in your room. I need you to brush your teeth in the morning before you go to, before you walk out this door. I, it's important to me and I want you to do it, so I wrote it down and made it visible to you. Anything you want them to do before they go to bed, write it down so they remember. It's not fair that you know what you want them to do and they don't only verbally because kids forget they had a long day like they forget so write it down and make it visible some dollar dry erase boards are my friend i love it clothing organizers that they hang up their clothes for the week my friend i love them yes i and saw that on your um youtube channel and i, I ordered my daughter I have one, one. <laughs> look i have another one it's this this gadget that does it um little things i'm gonna go find it it's out in my hallway right now but they have a list of tools that you want those kids to do their little magnets and stuff and next to it you could put each day of the week and i'm gonna I'm a post about it too um and it's called a magnet responsibility chart i got it from amazon Ooh, let me so it yes the Magnum responsibility chart is amazing. So it has all, any chores. And if, even if you have some weird chore that everybody doesn't know about, it, they give you blank spaces so you can write it on there. Mm-hmm. And every day of the week, you put like, great, terrific. Like they get to put, if they did it with another magnet, instead of a checking off, they put great, good job, awesome. Like you get to put whatever magnet you want to prove that you did it, to show that you did it. So it's great. So they walk out of the chart, it's hung up, they put next to each responsibility whether it was done, and they make that a routine. Like, oh, I, got, I did my bed, I brushed my teeth, I got this done. So they own it. So the only thing I worry about when I get home is checking homework and making dinner. That's the only thing I worry about. Um, Everything else, come on. I, I, look, that's y'all. You get it together. <laughs> you know what to do. 
I went to the supermarket and got everything you need to get what you need. So you know you're having cereal, you know where to find it. You know you're having yogurt and fruit, you know where to find it. You know you're having oatmeal. Oh my God, they have these little to-go oatmeals, like the, like they have these little oatmeal things. No, the they cup? have one that you use in the microwave. Yeah, but it's like this little plastic thing, but you can have it like cold, like it's like it's almost granola. You just mm-hmm. put milk in it and you let it settle overnight. Oh, my kids love it. <laughs> I'm saying, like, they're just making all these practical foods that I just love. No, I don't have anything to do with any of it. Now, if you have older kids, I know a friend that also puts the toaster oven on a set um, time mm-hmm. or a set, like, temperature. So all she has to do is tell her kids what time she posts something, like, how much time they need. And they just put the egg rolls in there, wait for the timer to go off. The, the key is not to change the temperature. Now, if you start changing temperatures, the egg neck not going to be right. But if you leave, make sure you keep the temperature on a, a certain, um, you know how you do toast and, it, you know, you have to do dark to medium. That's the temperature I'm talking about. Yes. Does that make Yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. So that dark to light, she has that set at a certain thing. So all they have to do is do the timer to a certain time in order for the egg to be perfect. So that doesn't change and that's easy for older kids to do I think they're like 10 and 11 but even some do it as young as five I know somebody who does it as five and six anything to create independence for your children but um those are some of the routines I have now also what's also good is I put the school calendar on the refrigerator because I am the parent I know this sounds crazy I'm the educated parent that forgets holidays like I have gone (laughs) I have gone because my when I used to work in D.C., my kids went to school in Maryland, and they had a different calendar. So I have gone to the school, and the school was closed before. Oh, my God. Like, <laughs> and I'm like, the school ain't closed in D.C. Why is it closed in Maryland? Like, but because I, I take for granted that I'm an educator, so I feel like I know everything. So I've done that before. So I'm just keeping it just honest. Like I've done that before. So I have to keep holidays and different things like in my face. I print out the school calendar and put it in the refrigerator on the refrigerator for me to remember. So that's also good. And, and for you to highlight certain things like, you know, these young kids and they hold classroom moms be driving me crazy. <laughs> and I say that as an educator. Oh, we're gonna have a party on this day, and we're gonna have a new beginning fall parties, 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 parties. Where you gotta sign up for like stuff. I need to know when those days are. I just, I just, I need to know if I'm bringing juice. I need to know if I'm bringing what, what is, what do y'all want? So that's also good for me too. So I know I rambled. I apologize. You're fine. fine. Those are some really good tips. Um, I'm going to actually look up that magnet responsibility chart. I did order my daughter that um, organizer. It's going to be her first year going to big school, as we call it. So I'm so excited (laughs) about this year. And I'm already learning a lot. So thank you so much. I appreciate it. No problem. Now, um, go ahead. No, you go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I was just going to reiterate um, um, certain common places to make it kid-friendly. The kitchen, I cannot reiterate to make that kid-friendly. If you don't want them to touch it, don't put it in their, like, you know, their eye or height range. Um, but other than that, or let them know, this is, this is a drawer you can touch. This is what you can't touch. Be very clear. 
I'm very clear about what they can touch in my kitchen if they know. So um, I don't want it to be a lot of times, even when I grew up, for my parents, it was like, you're going in, what you doing in there? Like, you, you ain't got no business in the kitchen. Why are you in there, right? So for me, it's a totally a mind shift. Like, no, you do have a place in the kitchen. As a matter of fact, you want to make this breakfast. And I am going to focus on something different, but I'm going to make it accessible for you. I'm going to have, like, their snacks is in a place where they know where to get their snacks. And they know how many snacks they can have. And rationale in terms of, like, no, you cannot have chips and, and, you know, cakes all day, right? So are you giving a fruit? Oh, you get a fruit in the morning. You get a sugar snack in the afternoon. Whatever the rules are, you can set those. So don't not give responsibility because you're afraid your child will take advantage. There's no such thing if you're teaching them how not to take advantage or you're setting the limit. That is something, taking advantage is a learned quality. It's a learned trait, right? Just like lying and any other thing. So if you don't want them to take advantage, that means you haven't taught them how to not do that. And what what is the standard? Like, am I eating an apple, banana, or orange? Those are my options in the morning. And then in the evening, I can have chips or a cake. Whatever that is, you have to make that clear to your kids. And um, be consistent. Oh, consistency. Lord. Consistency. <laughs> we can talk about that all day, right? Oh, God. Oh, God. Because... The kids, I have a nephew that knows that my that my sister will not be consistent. He'll just wait for it. He'll just wait for it. Okay, this is what we doing this week. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> now next week I'm gonna ask for my students at this time and we won't give it to them. So I mean just remaining consistent because kids are so smart socially. They pick up on social cues, they pick up on whether you're angry, whether you're happy, or you're just doing this because you're mad. Or this ain't gonna last. This is, she's always into something, or he's always into something. Let's just wait. Let's wait dad out. Let's wait mom out. So being consistent is key. Them knowing that you're not gonna budge is key. And it might take a little tears, but they'll they'll be fine. They'll be fine. Now, okay, I got a kids' tears is another conversation. <laughs> <laughs> The kids did, I could talk about that, but uh, I used to be one of those parents that if my child cried in public, it would used to be so embarrassing. It used to, like, I used to have to, like, walk outside because if they cried hysterical. And my kids caught on to that. Like, she don't like to be embarrassed. Let's, let's, let's drop a line right here. Now, I'm in the store. They falling out. I will step over them and move on with my little cart. And and I would look at people like, okay, y'all seen kids crying. Let's move on. Like, kids will, you know, that crying thing to get what they want or however you respond to crying. My children were able to pick up on that. So if that's something that you struggle with, I would really examine that because they know that you crying, you can't stand it or it irritates you so they eventually get what they want. They pick up on that. They know whatever it takes to get what they want. And it's, it's not malicious. It's just that we want what we want. They're human. So that's my little tidbit about crying. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. Yeah, I totally agree. But what I wanted to ask you is, um, I know we were talking about this before we actually um, started recording, but kind of talk about how important it is to develop that routine and I'm um, staying consistent because I was saying that 
I think it's helpful so that when the kid gets in the classroom, um, it's a bit more helpful for the teacher because if the kid doesn't have a routine at home, then I think it's much harder when they get to a classroom and they have to like immediately adapt to this routine when they've never had a routine at home or they don't have one period. Like how effective or I guess how much do you think having a routine at home impacts um, the way they adjust to the routine in the classroom? Okay, so this is the, the interesting thing is that I think parents have it harder than than teachers. Let me tell you why. Because I have about 20 kids, 15 to 20 kids that are complying. So it's hard for an outlier. You would really have to be like just, I'm not in the mood today to really mess up the routine. Like you have to really be, a child has to really just want to not be a part of the group. And that's really rare, right? Unless something else is going on with them. So actually, Teachers will have a child readily equipped with a routine faster than a parent because you will focus on one and it's easy for you not to be consistent. So now, back to the question though. You said in terms of now, this is what happens. When I send something home though, and if something needs to be completed, this is what the disconnect happens. The disconnect happens because the child doesn't want to get it done or they're reluctant to get it done. And it becomes a disconnect from the parent and the teacher as it being based on something that's being taught or when it's really, you don't have something in place, a system in place to ensure that his work gets, he or she, the work gets done. And that's that lack of um, routine and procedure. So the co- the consistency happens because the routine and procedure is, is important at home because when, as a teacher, I send something, we are on the same page that you have a routine to ensure that it gets done. And they know that the expectation is similar. Like, if I'm on, the expectation for doing work in a class is that you have 20 minutes of focus time and then we'll go over it then it would help you as a parent to know that, to ensure that we're keeping consistent of, no, our, our routine and procedure in the classroom is that he's independent. Now, if you're partnering with him and then he comes back here and he is expecting that same consistency here, that's, when, that's the problem. When there is a disconnect of how help is relayed at home. So we know you have one-on-one. Of course, you're going to help your kid. But how you help is the disconnect, right? Being consistent on how we help. My routine and procedure in the classroom, usually a teacher who has 30 kids, their routine and procedure of how they help kids is for them to struggle through, to be independent or match them up with a peer. You're at home with your routine being, I'm going to sit down with my child one-on-one. When you make that your routine and procedure, it, 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 it hurts us. Because they're expecting that same consistency in the classroom, and that's a disconnect. So that's one part. Now, when you don't have any type of routine and procedure in place, what happens is they, they are reluctant to think that the teacher should have one. Like, why do you even have one? Like, this is ridiculous. Why do we have to stand in line? Why do we have to line up to get paid? Why can't I just, you know, move? in the middle of story time? Why can't I just go to the bathroom in the middle of this um, math lesson? 
those kind of consistent, inconsistent things shows that there's lack of structure, understanding that there's a time and place for things, that everything has order, and those kind of things. Those are the underlying things that a schedule will help a child understand. And then in the classroom, a, a teacher doesn't have to reiterate. So that's two parts. Mm-hmm. The consistency of how you help as a routine, like how much help you're giving in your routine and procedure that hurts or helps a teacher in the classroom. And the second is a routine and procedure, well, routine period in home will then understand, kids will readily understand why there needs to be order in a class. Like I, there's order at home. So of course there's going to be order in class. I don't, a teacher doesn't have to necessarily explain this to me unless it's something, of course, that is not child appropriate then yes, your child should speak out against it. But it, uh, they understand order. They understand that there's a way we do things everywhere. There's a way you do things at home. There's a way you do things at school. But I think eventually a, a child will win over in the classroom more readily than at home because you got 20 other people looking at you if you're trying to go left and everybody's going right. Ah, but, at home, but at home, you can go left all day. <laughs> and your mother going to love you. Right. But it hurts us because now we got to explain why you should go right because there should be some kind of order, even though your mother doesn't want to or your mother or your father doesn't want to enforce it. So those are two parts of why uh, a schedule is really needed because, you know, I get that all the time. My teachers do that. All, oh, they complain about that all the time. They go, you know, the mother comes up to them and they say, well, he had it. And I did it with him last night and he had it. I don't understand why his test, he didn't do well, right? And the teacher says, well, how do you help him? Well, you know, I, I see what he's doing. And then I say, no, that's not right. You got to go back and correct that. Okay, well, that's the problem. I don't do that. When, when we're in the class, I, I make them re- redo their work. You can't show a child where they got wrong, where they got things wrong, because that's not realistic to what a teacher does in class. So understanding how the teacher is teaching something and how they're helping is important. Because at home, I can point out their errors. In the classroom, I can, we can, of course, teachers point out errors, but not while the child is working. We want to see how you process, and then we're going to ask you questions. We're going to say, well, okay, so what happened here? We're going to have you talk things out. We're going to have you troubleshoot because on the test, nobody's there to help you troubleshoot and point out your errors. So why would I create a situation that is not going to help you in the long run? And parents, we do that. We go, no, that's not right. Stop telling kids they're not right. That's a wrong routine and procedure anyway. But um, but period. Just making sure the help is consistent. How a, school, how a teacher helps a student in the classroom is the same way you're helping your child at home. The second part of it is why is it appropriate? You need to tell your children that there is appropriate, things are done differently in different places. And we have to respect that, right? At home, we do things differently at, in this way. So at school, they're going to have a set of rules. But when a child already is conditioned, positively conditioned, to have know that there's a way of doing things, it's easy for a teacher to say, okay, well, these are the routines in my class. Okay, well, I have something like that at home. It's good for kids to always make connections. Like, oh, oh, my mother watch says that there's a way for me to make my bed. Well, yes, and there's a way for you to put away pencils. My mother says there's a way for me to, um, you know, just get dressed and prepare myself in the morning. You know what? Our day has the same way. It's always good for a child to make connections and not feel like their home life is 
so disjointed from school. That's where we mess up as educators and as parents, when it is completely disconnected, there's no connections because there's no order. And that's what it does. And if you have, if you're a single parent, like a single parent with one child, I think that's when it's the hardest to implement a routine and procedure. You're a single parent with only one child to look after, so you're not micromanaging. Like you're not like in their face and trying to figure out what they're doing. You're letting them be them and you're being you. Like it's just two of y'all. So they get a lot of freedom. And unfortunately, when they go to a school and it's like, it's 19 plus more of them, or for some people, 25 plus more in them, they don't get that type of attention. And it's not saying that you have to completely ignore them in the house. What I'm saying is they have to understand that there's time and place and there's an order to doing things as well. And they're not going to have all the attention, but they're just as important. And they're in finding those places and talking to the teachers about the places where they do get that attention. Well, when will he get that attention? Well, at this time, I make sure that we meet during peer time here, during circle time here. I ensure that I call on him. I ensure that he's with a group of people. Like, when does he get that type of attention? But understanding that that attention is not realistic in a 30 child, a 30 student classroom. It's just not realistic. But I ramble, but (laughs) (laughs) it's okay. (laughs) It makes a lot of sense. Like I totally understand um, where you're coming from and you know why it's important that we understand those things. So I guess like my next question is as far as the co-parenting goes, because you said you and your children's father, you guys have a really good relationship um, in terms of co-parenting. And you're able to kind of have the same routines at each house. Like, how does that work? You know, that's a struggle for a lot of single parents. Like, how did you guys get there? Because I'm sure it didn't Child, happen overnight. Do you want to hear the real story or do you want to hear the, <laughs> yes, and this is, and this is, and this is, okay, the truth of the matter is it works because I am very, and I don't know if this is good. It just worked for me. So I let me just preface this by saying that. I don't know if this is good. And I'm probably going to meet, maybe need some therapy. But this is how this works for me. I am very, I don't come into the conversation with my ex with emotion. I don't. Right? Um, because I've realized, because I know who I'm with. Like, you know, you know who you're dealing with. And that's because that works for me. I learned after a, like years of being, 10 plus years of being together, that he doesn't deal well in that space. So in order for things to be productive, and I know he's, he feels emotion towards his children, but I don't come to him, like it's seriously like a business meeting. And in terms of, these are what, this is what I wanna talk about, this is what's going on, what do you think we should do? And He's like, oh, this, this, and this, this works. But what about you? Like, it's literally at a, it could be us in a board meeting having the same conversation, and it doesn't look like we're co-parenting. But our kids are the only, the only thing on the agenda. It's very much like I do not get into anything else other, other than, hey, how you doing? How's everything? Great. Okay, that's it. I think we, we, and that's how I've learned to deal in that space because when I come with, you know, and I'm just not feeling well about what our son is doing, and he just doesn't deal well. So I have my girlfriend for that. I have my family for that. 
he understands the concerns of what I'm feeling with for my children. Of course, he sympathizes with anything that goes on with my children, but, but we have disconnected from that space. And I think for him, it's still too soon to have that kind of emotion towards each other. So I've learned to, hey, this is what I want to talk about. This is what's going on with the kids and be very like very cordial. That's what I've learned. That's what works for me. And I don't know if it's right. Like I said, I just know that this is what works. I'm very emotionless as it pertains to anything else outside of our kids. And even when dealing with our kids, I'm very bullet point because I've worked through it already before I even got to talk to him. And sometimes women, we need to do that. Because yeah, the I was about to say. Like, yeah. you know, seriously, if they're the first person we're talking about it with, we unload on them. And they're like, what? Uh, what's happening? And that's not his role for me anymore. So I can't do that. So I, I unload on my friends. I unload on my family. So then when I, by the time it even gets to him, it's been filtered several times. So yes. I'm now at the meat and at the heart of what I want to talk about by that time. Because I've already, it's already been filtered out. But in the beginning, I used to be like, well, I didn't know that's the and this is going on with our daughter. And what are we going to do? He's like, what? Like, what is, what is the emergency? And he didn't get it. And I was upset at his reaction. But that's not his job. He just wants to know what, what, what are the parts he needs to help with. So I just give him the parts he needs to help with. Everything else, that's on me. That's for me to get somewhere else. And I think for a lot of us, if our children's father doesn't, don't respond in a certain way, we will shut down and be like, why is he even here? I don't even understand why we even know. It's not his job to respond and emotionally heal us or emotionally be there for us. Yes, you all had children together. Yes, we, we would hope that the black men can. But they can <laughs> in other ways right? <laughs> they can't in other ways. As long as he's there for his children, I'm, I, don't, I don't need him to be there for me. I'm grown. I can get it somewhere else. I just need you to be there for your children. And these are the, so that's what works for us. And setting up the meeting that I did with him recently was something I've never done before, but it was extremely helpful. So we did, we divvied up um, supplies, like the supply list that our our kids have who's going to get this for their for um which child uh, we talked about the test scores that our oldest my son he received and where exactly we should focus our energy we discussed after school activities like where do we want our kids to you know focus the after school activities and we're changing schools next year so where exactly what schools do we want to look into for our kids to go next year so having those types of conversations early and not dealing with anything else. And that's it. Once it was over, I was, he was like, all right, you have a good day. I was like, you too. And that was the end of it. And I, I wasn't expecting it. Neither was he expecting anything more. So I, that's why it works. I, I don't know if it's right. And I'm probably going to need therapy because of it. I don't know. But it works <laughs> because of that. So I tried I that um, once. Well, my daughter's father doesn't live like locally. But I try like, oh, okay. to kind of stick to just talking about her. And somehow I've drifted off again, but I need to get back to that because I feel like it just weeds out all the unnecessary stuff whenever you keep it strictly about the kids versus like, oh, how's everything going with this or that? You know, yeah. just 
Don't talk about family. Don't talk about no, nothing. None of that. How is your mother? I asked about second son. Nope. Nope. No. No. <laughs> such and such asked about you. No. No. Everybody's fine. Next. So, the, so <laughs> our daughter needs. So our daughter needs a pair of shoes. Who's doing the shoes? Yeah. Okay, I bought the shoes last time. I'm buying the shoes this time. Okay, next. <laughs> And like I said, yeah, I don't yeah, like you nope. said too. Like I don't know if that is the thing to do, but I don't know. Something I try. We'll have to I don't ask, know, but it was, uh, <laughs> like yeah. a, a family therapist or something. I'll have to see uh, what they recommend as far as that. So maybe we should do like a whole another thing on co-parenting. But anyways, whole another topic. So um that's <laughs> all I have. If you have one or two tips that you have for any moms who are just going to be starting a routine again for the school year, um, what would those be? Like any, you know, things, I guess maybe like when you first started, um, and I know you had that background as an educator, but if you could have had some advice that someone would have given you when you were trying to start out building your routine, what would that have been? I would have a family meeting first. Like, seriously, you're about to change something that you're about to do something different in your house that no one, like, they are not used to. And it shouldn't be that you're the only one on that mission, Hmm. right? So if you even, I don't care if your child is four, you sit your four-year-old down and you say, okay, mommy wants to do something new. And it's going to take the help of all of us to get this done. I want you to do these two things this year or you know we're going to start these two things and this is and say what the two things are start small even if you say I'm going to start with this one thing I just want you to make your bed in the morning that is my expectation for you state the expectation state like that you're changing something you're really changing a culture in your house when you when you do a routine you're changing culture in your house and when you change culture in your house there's going to be a reaction if you do it by surprise, right? And there's gonna be a reaction regardless, but it'll be less of a shock if everybody's on that same page. This is the culture I'm trying to change in this house. What is it? And don't be superwoman. Just just take one thing. It just take one. Just take one. Just take <laughs> one thing. Keep it small. But have a family meeting discussing what you want to change and why you want to change it. I don't, I don't want to be the only one talking about this stuff. Do you like that mommy's the only one talking about this stuff and yelling about this stuff? No, exactly. So I want us to help each other because I want us to be, feel like this is our home and this is what I want to do for us. And I want you to be a part of this. That is empowering for a child to feel like they're a part of this house finally. Because I'm sure that all they think is about you just tell them what to do. So um, I would definitely set a meeting saying that you're about to change what you're going to change and state what you're going to change and start off with one thing. If they don't do, if they don't make breakfast, okay, next year. We'll work on that next year. Can they at least make their bed and be downstairs and check that off without you having to say something this year? Okay, fine. By Christmas, we, we revisit for number two. But start off really small. Don't and then please don't assume the child just because you said make your bed that your child is even nine and ten and they know what you mean. <laughs> Show them your expectations. Yes. Be the example for your expectations. So meet with them and be the example. 
meet with them and show them what you want their bed to look like. If it is making the bed, if it is something else, show them how you want them to bathe themselves too. If that's what you want them to do, show them how, you know, I want you to, you know, pack your lunch, show them how that's done, whatever it is, whatever you pick, you know, put the dishes in the dishwasher, whatever it's going to be, show them how you want it done before you have to yell about how they didn't do it right. Please. Please. <laughs> I agree. And whatever that's going to be. So set the meeting, be the example. If, if you don't do anything else, just, just do those two. And um, yeah, I think the best thing I've learned about being a single parent is just to be honest with my kids. Like, this is what's going on, right? Because they're either going to pick up on it anyway. Now, of course, age appropriate. Like, I'm not saying I'm going through, you know, I'm you know, going through the divorce and this, I don't know. I don't, I, I'm not doing it. Maybe somebody else says that that's what you're supposed to do. I'm not talking about that. But if you <laughs> talk about something else that you're going through in terms of like you wanting to do something different and you want them to have, it's always good to for kids to know what you expect of them. This is what I'm expecting of you. This is what I want of you. This is, this is how I see us. This is how, you know, I know you all can do it. Feeling empowered. Make them feel empowered by the time the meeting's over. I want you, I know you can do it. I believe in you. You are so wonderful. You're so beautiful. Pray out, okay? Whatever you want to do at the end of it. So they feel so empowered. Like, yes, mommy said I can make my bed. They feel so happy about that. <laughs> whatever it's going to be. Whatever. Leave the meeting feeling empowered. But that is it. Yeah, that's all I got. Um, awesome. I hope that was helpful. Yes, please, definitely. Um, <laughs> please, Grit Mom on, uh, well, Grit Parent on social media and also check me out on YouTube. Yes, I will um, link your YouTube channel in the show notes and then I'll also link your Instagram page so that everyone can connect with you. All right, so I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Khadija dropped a lot of great tips. I know I learned a lot, so I'm pretty sure that you have learned a lot as well. So please take out the time to leave a review wherever you are listening and share this. If you know another single mom out there who has not, you know, developed her routine, she's still working on it or she's struggling, um, please let her know about this podcast episode. Also, you can share with your friends or family as well if they have kids. They don't necessarily have to be a single mom to benefit from the content here on the podcast. So again, thank you guys in advance. I appreciate you for taking out your precious time to listen. I know that it's valuable. If you want to connect with me, I'm over on Instagram at Single Black Motherhood. Also on Facebook at Single Black Motherhood. And then you can check out the website at singleblackmotherhood.com. Next week, we will be discussing how to keep your house clean as a busy single mom. So if you find that your house is always in a mess, then you definitely want to tune in. Thanks again for listening, y'all. I really appreciate it and see you back next week. Bye.